Welcome, dear friends, to episode one of my podcast. This episode is titled Blowing My Trumpet. Thank you for being here. My name is Amen Abdin Munaim. And since this is the first episode, it would be appropriate that I tell you a little bit about myself. I live in the greater Chicagoland area here with my family. And for the past 20 plus years, I've had the opportunity to lead and give sermons, khutbahs, uh, at a variety of different uh, places in the Chicagoland area. And what's been really interesting about that is that um, there's been a, a wide variety of different venues and different contexts to different congregations uh, that I've been able to uh, perform that. And it all started when I was uh, in the mid-90s. In, in mid I had just graduated from my undergraduate studies, and I had gotten my first job at Lucent Technologies. Lucent Technologies, big Fortune 500 company. There was a relatively significant, call it like 20, 25 uh, Muslims that were working at the location. And so what we would do is we would reserve a conference room uh, and during that lunch hour during Fridays, and we would have our services there. And those services would be led by a volunteer, someone who would be willing to, uh, to stand in front of the group, give a speech, and to lead the uh, ensuing prayers. And I think there was a, it was a situation where, given that I was one of the very few American-born native English speakers, young, um, coming with a different perspective. Um, a lot of uh, my colleagues sort of pushed me and urged me to try to do it. And so, so I did it. Uh, and while it wasn't something that necessarily was planned for me, I do think that it planted some seeds. And uh, that seed started to grow, and I started to really uh, uh, enjoy uh doing that, preparing a subject and then also giving it. And I'd have, I've luckily been able to do that in a variety of different places, like I said. And so from a conference room at a Fortune 500 company to the local county jail, I remember at that time I was a volunteer who would go and visit. And uh, those uh, Friday uh, khutbahs sometimes would just be myself and one or maybe two of the inmates. Uh, sometimes those inmates were Muslim, sometimes they weren't. Uh, so very small, very interesting of an environment. And that progressed to me also doing it at uh, local colleges. Um, I also got onto the roster at a uh, mosque here in the, in, in the western suburbs of Chicago. Uh, congregation of call it 600 700 people and every month I'd have one Friday that was mine and I would uh, give those sermons and it was something that I both enjoyed as well as learned a lot in that journey and over those 20 plus years and so what's brought me here today though um, was actually a text from my son and so I wanted to share that with you. And in terms of background, let me say this. Um, one of the things that I like to do for exercise is ride my mountain bike. Um, there's a forest preserve here very close to my house. And so nothing makes me happier than having an opportunity 
went to get out on my bike, go out into the forest preserve and to ride. It's me time. It's an opportunity to just clear the thoughts. And a lot of times what ends up happening, and many of you have probably experienced this as well, the benefits of of, uh, exercise is that a lot of times ideas come to me. And a lot of times, especially if there was something that I was talking about with my son, Yusuf, he's 21 years old, he's about to graduate from college. And so sometimes there would be conversations or questions. um, And I suddenly would be riding my bike and pop, there would be something would come into my head. Uh, And so what I do is I'll get off my bike, I'll pull out my phone, and I would record a voice message for him. And a lot of time those messages were two minutes, three minutes, but it was just to get it out, whatever had popped into my head to get it out to him. And so recently he sent me a text and he said, I've been thinking about our discussions about khutbahs and the lack of impact they're having. Side note, yes, um, imagine that. But my son doesn't particularly get very inspired by the Friday service that he attends. Going back to his text message, I think a big thing I've noticed is that they're too long, in my opinion. I found more productivity in these short messages you send me that are two to five minutes long versus these 25 to 30 minute khutbahs. Raise your hand. And by the way, since this is a podcast and I'm not video recording this, my hand is definitely raised. If you can relate to Yusuf here, attended a Friday service, leaving under underwhelmed, uninspired, even able to stay awake. If I gave you a pop quiz right now and I were to say, okay, last week from the, the Friday service that you attended, give me a lesson that you learned from that something that you've been thinking about since then, again, I'm raising my hand, I don't think I would be able to tell you what that was. Now, I know for myself, usually when I uh, am in the audience, the bar is so low, uh, a lot of times it's a victory for me if I'm just not offended by what I heard. I mean, if I can just have a neutral khutbah or uh, too positive, then that's gravy. But at a minimum, just don't leave me with a feeling of anger, disappointment, or just feeling down after listening to the khutbah. And so got me thinking, Yusuf's text. I mean, not that it wasn't something that I wasn't already thinking about, but... It's just not working. And it starts to make me think about, well, is there something about the form? Is there something about the institutionalization of the sermon and what it is as a quote-unquote service uh, that makes it that it isn't working in the current context? Now, I was recently uh, recommended to read a book about the art of the sermon. 
Now, one of the probably most well-known, especially amongst Christ- in Christian circles, is a book that was written in 1994 titled The Certain Sound of the Trumpet. And the author, Samuel Proctor, in a very, very kind of small volume, was able to put together a handbook for preachers, for priests, for people who were leading and giving sermons. And it was a handbook on the elements of a good, effective uh, sermon. And so what he says is he says, and this is in 1994, and this was the concept, in the institution of the church, he was saying that the watermarks of a sermon is that it should be heard and received. As the trumpet must blow a certain sound, the sermon must speak with authority. Authority. And the horn that he's describing here, the book, again, was titled The Certain Sound of the Trumpet. Um, Those who are familiar with the Old Testament would know um, that it was very common um, for the horn to be used and to be blown as a summon to prayer. Um, It's the parallel to what you see today in in Muslim countries, the call to prayer using a human voice. Proctor says things like, the sermon is a summons to reflect on God and human destiny in a relevant fashion, given the restraints of time and the context of the audience. Preaching at its best, Proctor says, will begin where the people are, and educate them in the possibilities. Now that, a lot of that is very relevant and very good, but what I wanted to focus on is what he says, that the sermon must speak with authority. Now it's 2019, it's America, and authority is something across our society is at risk. What institution isn't uh, falling apart in front of us from the sense of authority, whether it be our government at the federal level or at the local level or the gatekeepers in the mainstream media, a lot of the institutions with the advent of the internet and the ability and the democratization of different tools and everyone's voice now playing on an equal footing, um, religious institutions, whether it be the church or the mosque or the synagogue, it's almost a cliche to say that those are slowly crumbling away at their roots. And so the authority that Samuel Proctor refers to no longer has the same summoning power as it might have had in 1994. Now, when I read that by Samuel Proctor, it reminded me of an experience that I had. So I told you that there was a period of time that I was giving sermons at a pretty sizable mosque and I was doing it on a regular basis. And so one day, um, and this is really the story of why uh, I no longer give khutbahs there, was I was uh, summoned to a meeting um, with the subcommittee of the mosque that had the responsibility of both finding and having oversight over the Friday services. 
And of course, I had been giving uh, khutbahs there for several years, but this was the first time that I was being summoned in such a fashion. And of course, once I received the summons, um, my mind began to race. Well, what was it about my last sermon that I might have said that might have been out of bounds? Gosh, no one came up to me right afterwards, uh, you know, whether they be, you know, from the board or from the committee or not. Uh, everyone seemed to have, and I seemed to get the exact same feedback that I always got um, from, um, from the audience. And so um, I definitely was scratching my head. And footnote, um, you know, my wife would attest if she was sitting here uh, with me. When I would prepare for those, I mean, I took those and the responsibility of coming up with those subjects and standing in front of the congregation pretty, pretty serious. Um, probably on average, I'd call it six to eight hours of, uh, of time that I would prepare. And the interesting thing is that when people tell me, gosh, six to eight hours, wow, I mean, what are you doing in that preparation? <laughs> the irony of it all is that probably the vast majority and the, probably the most tiring thing, uh, the most uh, difficult thing for me when I was preparing for these sermons um, was the editing function. So it wasn't coming up with an idea. A lot of times there would be something that was top of mind for me or something that popped up, whether it be in the news or in something that I'd heard or something that I'd read. Um, that was pretty easy. Um, being, able to, being able to kind of draw from different scriptural sources, um, somewhat moderately difficult, but uh, that is something that I could do in a relatively efficient fashion. But gosh, the editing function. What do I mean by the editing function? I mean being able to take and wordsmith now the idea, um, not just to make it fit within the 20-minute bounds um, that I had for the sermon, but also from the perspective of being received by the audience. Now, I take it very seriously when any any public uh, forum that I'm speaking at to be conscious of the audience. And when, especially when you have a Friday service where you have a variety of people coming to the service from varying backgrounds, immigrants to natively born, young to old, um, different educational levels, um, different contexts and socioeconomic backgrounds that people are coming from. And knowing and being the topmost goal for me is being to leave where people leave with a positive feeling at the end of it. It means that you have to be very, very careful and really, really know, well, if this word might be interpreted in this way, or I don't want to say this because this might said in this particular way without, the, without giving these particular background or these footnotes, then, and so a lot of that editing that I would do to basically, to that lowest common denominator that ultimately would make it uh, uh, tenable for uh, the audience that's where I spent most of my time and most of my effort. And so I'm going to this meeting, and um, I still remember, I'm in this feedback uh, that I was given uh, where one of the elders said to me, he said, Amen, here's the thing, and here's the problem with your sermons. Um, people live their life, and they're confused, and they have a lot of questions. 
And when they come on Friday, what they're looking for is they're looking for answers. It's like authority. They're looking for answers, not more questions. And then the light bulb went off for me. You see, because a lot of times, and in particular in the context of a post 9-11, living in America as a Muslim at a time when uh, Islam and the acts of Muslim fundamentalist jihadists seemingly is on the front pages every day in a world of Islamophobia and, 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 uh, and attacks against the religion and against Muslims. Needless to say, there are a lot of questions and a lot of doubts that Muslims have. And I am, just like everybody else, had a lot of those doubts. And so what would end up happening is a lot of times I want to address and get to the core of what people are feeling and thinking about. But I didn't have any answers. But I could at least give questions or I at least could talk to people and present to people my own processing of the events and how I had drawn from this source or that source to find some comfort. But I wasn't giving any answers. I mean, I was just talking about my process. And that is what they were seeing as not giving people answers, but giving them more questions. And so authority and what Proctor talked about there um, as he related it to the sermons, I mean, speaking with authority, um, I've come around to the fact that I believe that it's just different today. Um, and what people are actually looking for is less about that because people um, um, themselves are confused and themselves need help with a process. Now, one of the people who has really, really inspired me um, and helped me um, uh, progress uh, on this idea of reimagining the sermon is Rob Bell. Um, if you don't know who Rob Bell is, go to robbell.com. Uh, he is a former megachurch leader um, who, subsequent to uh, that, essentially um, left that institution and since then has, um, has taken a different approach to the word and to the summoning. And he does it in a variety of ways. He does one-man shows, and he has a podcast. And he was recently being interviewed about the sermon. And so he was asked, well, what is a sermon? Or, or what makes a good sermon? And this was his answer. He said, and one of the things a sermon does is it connects this to this to this. And you walk out of there with a little more sense of centered grounding, like, oh, yeah, that is who we are. That is who I am. That is what we're doing here. And that's, to me, a sermon. Now, I titled this uh, episode, Blowing My Trumpet, because 
This is my trumpet now that I'm blowing. And this podcast, what I hope for it to be is I hope for it to be a summoning. Now, a summoning to what, you ask? Um, It's just a space. It's an opportunity to process myself, uh, my ideas, and things that um, that are happening. I like to think of it as a mashup space. I mean, if you want to know what it's going to be like, I mean, it's kind of partly something between a sermon and telling stories and a conversation between friends. It's going to be group therapy sometimes. It's going to be a personal confession at other times. Um, I mean, this itself, I would call this episode a sermon, Um, just a different kind of sermon. And so, friends... It was episode one. I hoped to have answered the question of, well, what is this podcast going to be about? So my invitation to you is to join me here in this space. Um, if you'd like to know or reach reach me, the best way you can do it is to go to my website. My website is amanabdel.com. That's E-I-M-A-N-A-B-D-E-L.com. Um, I'll also have the link in the show notes there. You'll be able to find uh, links to my social media as well as an email. And with that, I'll leave with a prayer that may you find peace and compassionate love and may that love fill your hearts and may you have a good week and thank you and speak to you soon.